Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the dwarf race. This is part of our race overview series where we go over all the possible player races. And this is episode number one. We're, we're kicking off a new series, Christian. Yeah, and we picked like one of the most ubiquitous fantasy races to start with. Other than humans. <laughs> right, right. We're actually going to, we're covering the races in the order they were given. So, Koro Book, Dwarfs number one. Is it alphabetical? I assume it's alphabetical. I bet elves are next. Dwarf, elf, gnome, half-orc, halfling, human. Yes, it is alphabetical. I remember having such a hard time when I was in high school uh, putting things in alphabetical order when there was a space in between them. So, for example, half-space orc and halfling. High school Kayla wouldn't be able to put which one goes first. It's not half dash orc? No, it's half. Well, maybe <gasps> maybe, maybe I wrote it down wrong. Let me see. In the study it of is, half orcs, it is, it is half officially dash. a half dash orc. <laughs> it is half dash orc. You're correct. Now, dwarves. We've all seen dwarves. You've watched Lord of the Rings. You've watched literally any fantasy movie. That The trifecta of fantasy races is always humans, dwarves, and elves. Right. Uh, dwarves are one of the more, I think, generally applicable races. Um, we're not going to be going much into, like, the Paizo background and, Correct. like, the dwarf culture and things like that. That changes from campaign to campaign, and I'm not even sure if we're technically allowed to talk about it from the race guide. But either way, we're just going to be going over the general information and their gameplay mechanics. Right, definitely. Listen, guys, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I hate orc or i hate dwarf lore in anything i i have no desire to be smaller than i am i have no desire to be stout i have no desire to have a huge beard and long locks just that's not that's not what i want to fan it's not my fantasy version i want to play and pretend to be and caleb's already covered the physical description of dwarves <laughs> they are short <laughs> stout and they have beards it's about the gist of it right right they tend to uh, also be magically hardy in some capacity, like they're somehow tougher than most other races. Dwarves are a short and stocky race and stand about a foot shorter than most humans, with wide, compact bodies that account for their burly appearance. Male and female dwarves pride themselves on the long length of their hair, and men often decorate their beards with a variety of clasps and intricate braids. Clean-shavenness on a male dwarf is a sure sign of madness, or worse— no one familiar with their race trusts a beardless dwarven man. I want to play a beardless dwarf now. <laughs> you want to be all edgy and anti. <laughs> anti I do. I do. Also, dwarves live a rather long time. A dwarf reaches adulthood in at forty years, which would be for like a human. As to give you a comparison for the human, the human's adulthood is at fifteen years. They are middle aged when they're one hundred and twenty five years old. They're 188 when they're old. Venerable is 250. Their maximum age is 250 plus do two d percentile years. What does that mean? I've never seen it. Two d percentile, so they could live a few hundred years. I think that means you roll two d percentile, add them together, and add that to their age. So they That's have a, crazy. They have a maximum age of 450. 450. That would be like the oldest possible dwarf. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That, that, that rivals the elves almost. Uh, they are generally about three foot nine, and women three foot seven. Usually about around four feet tall. Give a plus or minus. Usually weigh about one fifty, one twenty for the females. I've so never, I never see a really good female art. Never. So like, I'm always questioning: Do dwarves have female dwarves have beards? <laughs> we need 
official confirmation. Do we, female dwarves have beards? We need answers, Paizo, but <laughs> there, there's, there's your role-playing stuff, so you know age and stuff you want to start out with, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the mechanics of these guys. Um, every race that we go over has uh, five standard things that we're going to look at right away. Ability score, racial traits, their size, their type, their base speed, and the language. And these things are like the core things we talked about over in character creation. These are things we talk about. Let's start with size, because I think a lot of people immediately get this wrong. Dwarves are medium-sized creatures. Despite being shorter than humans, they are still medium-sized category. Right. Which means that they take up a five-foot space, uh, square, on the board. And they use all the same equipment that human-sized creatures do, and elves and half-orcs. Their ability score traits, uh, dwarves are both tough and wise, but also a bit gruff. They gain plus two constitution, plus two wisdom, and minus two charisma. So right there, we know that uh, dwarves can be in melee. They have a higher constitution. They are more uh, apt at at potentially being a melee class. And also the plus two wisdom, um, monks and then casters that use wisdom as their casting stat, they could potentially be good at that as well. You typically won't find them being sorcerers or bards because of the minus two charisma. Their type is their humanoids with the dwarf subtype. And these types are important when you have to deal with favored enemy bonuses and different traits or feats that can only be applied to different subtypes. Or spells that, like a large person because they're the humanoid subtype and large person would work on them. Right. Their base speed, uh, they call it slow and steady. Dwarves have a base speed of 20 feet, which is below average. Average is about 30. But their speed is never modified by armor or encumbrance. So this is something else that pushes them toward being a frontline fighter. They can wear the heaviest armor, and although they still move slower than everyone else by 10 feet on average, they uh, they won't ever be encumbered by their armor. Right. It's, it's actually, I think it's, as much as I don't like dwarves, I think this trait is really unique and interesting. It's good flavor. And al- along with their um, ability scores in this trait, this actually pushes them toward being a class with a move speed buff. For instance, Barbarian and Monk. Although Monk's mm-hmm. probably never get encumbered anyway. Uh, but in particular, Barbarian would be pretty strong. They already get the move speed at level 1 and they never get slowed down. Dwarves begin play speaking common and dwarven. And if they have a high intelligence score, they can choose uh, between giant, gnome, goblin, orc, Terran, and undercommon. Terran, that's smart. The language of Earth Elementals. I'm glad they put that in there. So now we've talked about the standard racial traits. We're going to talk about some defense racial traits they have. The five things we talked about earlier, every race is going to have. Now, these are things that are specific to this race. And the dwarves have a lot of... We're going to go over quite a few racial traits. Some only have one or two, like humans... For some reason, gnomes and dwarves have, like, 20 traits apiece, and it takes forever to write them down in your character sheet. <laughs> right. They have defensive training, which they gain a plus four dodge bonus to AC against monsters of the giant subtype. I wonder if there's some something in there about uh, lore reason why why this is. Maybe they've always been in big fights with giants, or just kind of the small and stout kind of idea. I think uh, both are applicable. I, I think they definitely have a history with fighting giants, though. They tend to live in the mountains, and so do giants. They have Hardy, which get a plus two racial bonus on saving throws against poison spells and spell-like abilities. This is one of the best traits in the game. A plus two racial bonus on ignore everything but spells and spell-like abilities. That's a plus two on all three of your saving throws against all spells, and then it also works against poison. 
And I want to remind you, I know we covered this in like the 100 series, but the fact that it has a, a modifier before the bonus, what kind it is, a racial bonus. You won't get a racial bonus in any other thing. No feat, no magic item, no trait is going to give you a racial bonus. So there's nothing that's going to conflict with this. I should mention that there's feats and traits that make this um, racial trait even stronger. It can go up to a plus three or even a plus four with a feat, I think. They have stability, which they get a plus four racial bonus to their combat maneuver defense when resisting a bull rush or trip attempt while standing on the ground. Listen, these guys want to live in Texas. They're very fond of stand-your-ground rules, laws. When would you be tripped when you weren't standing on the ground? Why do they have to... <laughs> Why do they have to line out <laughs> standing on the ground? I don't know. Wait, we need to find what's one scenario where they can, where some, you can make a trip combat maneuver against somebody that's not on the ground. Oh, oh, um... If you have water walk on and you're standing in water oh, and something under the water tries to trip you? Trip them right on the water. Yep, we figured it out. We'll both have water walks so we can get to them to try to make the trip combat maneuver. So the now we're going to go to feet and skill racial traits. The first one is greed. Dwarves get a plus two racial bonus on appraise checks made to determine the price of non-magical goods that contain precious metals or gemstones. This goes along with the flavor that dwarves are miners and they tend to get along well with metals and stones and things like that. For the same reason, they have stone cutting. Dwarves get a plus two bonus on perception checks to notice unusual stonework, such as traps and hidden doors located in stone walls or floors. They receive a check to notice such features whenever they pass within 10 feet of them, whether or not they are actively looking. Again, another thing that seems pretty cool. Yeah, that one's actually pretty good, especially the passive 10 feet thing. You might just notice stuff. Like, you just have a chance just walking through place, even without a good perception check, of just roll your DM rolling well and being like, wait, you notice something. This is definitely good for a dungeon crawl campaign. Remind your GM that you have this. He can't remember everybody's thing, so you let him know you have it so he can remember. Okay, actively, he gets when you're raising 10 feet. Right. I can't tell you how much stuff in my, my sheet that I've just, oh, I have this thing. I've never used it because I forget that it applies to this thing or I didn't tell my GM. Now let's talk about their sense racial treat, tra trait. These racial treats are delicious. <laughs> dark vision is the best. What's dark vision? You can see perfectly in the dark up to 60 feet. I hate dwarves, but they have so far been really cool. <laughs> I'll just be a really tall dwarf, and I'll lose weight. I'll be a skinny, tall, beardless dwarf. Now let's go over their offense racial traits. The first one is hatred. Uh, dwarves get a plus one racial bonus on attack rolls against humanoid creatures of the orc and goblinoid subtypes because of their special training against these hated foes. This ties into the lore uh, of dwarves and Pathfinder. In the world of Galarian, they have a weapon familiarity. Dwarves are proficient with battle axes, heavy picks, and more hammers and treat any weapon with the word dwarven in its name as a martial weapon. This means that maybe I'm not a fighter, but I'm still proficient and I can use these without any penalties. I could be a wizard wheeling a battle axe if I really want to. And then if the word has dwarven in it, if you have proficiency with all martial weapons, you can use it regardless. Right. I know there's special dwarven battle axes that are kind of just better than normal battle axes that they can use without needing a feat to do it. Now, we broke this up into a lot of categories. Defense, feat and skill, senses, and offense racial traits. That is just to help you figure out what their purpose is, but they're all just like the racial traits. They're all under that category. There's no real difference that they're in one section or the other, uh, gameplay-wise. They're just all a bunch of passive bonuses that you get just for being a dwarf. Now, with all racial traits, if you don't like a racial trait, Paizo supplies alternate racial traits where you just take one of the traits and you can switch it out with a different one that they have. We're going to go over them. Uh, there is a lot of them, so we probably won't go into great detail unless it's a really important one. 
The first one is ancient enmity. Enmity. Um, what? Enmity. Enmity. Yep. Whatever. Um, basically, <laughs> you take hatred instead of getting a plus one bonus against orcs and goblinoids. You get a plus one bonus against elves and drow. There's craftsmen, which you get a plus two bonus on all craft or profession checks related to metal or stone, and this replaces greed. There's deep warrior. You get a plus two dodge bonus to AC against monsters of the aberration type, and a plus two racial bonus on combat maneuver checks made to grapple a creature. This replaces defensive training, so instead of being good against giants, you are good against aberrations. There's giant hunter, which, similar to the way ancient enmity switched it out, dwarves with this racial trait get a plus one bonus on attack rolls against humanoids with the giant subtype, and furthermore, they get a plus two bonus on survival checks to find and follow tracks made by humanoids with the giant subtype. And so this, of course, replaces hatred. Next is Lorekeeper. Dwarves with this racial trait receive a plus two racial bonus on knowledge history checks, on checks that pertain specifically to dwarves or their enemies. They can make such skill checks untrained, and this replaces greed. I like this one because Paizo was smart. They didn't say, you know, the, the, the goblins and the orcs and the giants. They just said they're ancient enemies. So if your enemy is different in the way your campaign is run, you know, you can just change it to that. It fits. There is magic resistant. Dwarves with this racial trait gain spell resistance equal to 5, plus their character level. The resistance can be lowered for one round as a standard action. Dwarves with this racial trait take a minus 2 penalty on all concentration checks made in relation to arcane spells. And this replaces Hardy. This is interesting because it's one of the few ways a player character can get spell resistance. It's a toss-up as to which is better the hardy racial trait or this but this definitely isn't bad just note that if you're going to be an arcane caster you get that penalty and your allies have to keep in mind that you have spell resistance so they want to heal you in the middle of combat they all have to get over that and yeah being able to lower it for one round is, is important for when you need to buff spells to be placed on you the next is mindsight doors with this racial trait increase the range of their dark vision to 90 feet however they are automatically dazzled in bright light and take a minus two penalty on saving throws against effects with the light descriptor this uh replaces their normal dark vision dazzled isn't that bad is it it's a minus one on all attack rolls i think oh well that is bad <laughs> well i guess if you're playing the underground campaign this is something for you to take yeah uh, there's Mountain Dwarf. Mountain Dwarfs are skilled at climbing and navigating narrow ledges. You are immune to altitude sickness and do not lose your dexterity bonus to AC when making climb or acrobatics checks uh, to cross narrow or slippery surfaces. And this replaces stability. I really like that one. I like the idea of a dwarf being acrobatic. The next trait is Mountaineer. Uh, dwarves with this first chart are immune to altitude sickness and do not lose your dex bonus to AC when making climb or acrobatics checks to cross narrow slippery surfaces. Next is Relentless. Dwarves with this racial trait receive a plus two bonus on combat maneuver checks to bull rush or overrun an opponent. Uh, both the dwarf and their opponent have to be standing on the ground, though, and this replaces stability. A lot of the stand on the ground stuff. Yeah, they like uh, got to have their feet planted. They got to have that earth beneath their feet. All right. Next is Rock Stepper. Dwarves with this trait can ignore difficult terrain created by rubble, broken ground, or steep stairs when they take a five foot step. This racial trait replaces stone cutting. I never think about uh, steep stairs as being difficult terrain. I gotta put that in more. Ooh, next is Saltbeard. If you ever want to have that pirate dwarf, this replaces a few different uh, racial traits. Defensive training, hatred, and stone cutting. So for all that, you get a plus two bonus on sailor and survival checks while, on, while at sea. You get a plus one racial bonus on attack rolls 
and a plus two dodge bonus to AC against creatures with the aquatic or water subtype. Their greed racial trait only applies to treasure found in or underwater, but applies to all such treasure regardless of whether or not it contains metal or gemstones. I guess when I picture a salty sea dog, I kind of picture a dwarf, you know? Yeah, but I've always wanted to actually make this character using this alternate racial trait. I just think it's a really fun idea. Next is Sky Sentinel. Uh, Enemies on higher ground gain no attack roll bonus against dwarves with this racial trait, and they gain a plus one racial bonus on attack rolls, a plus two dodge bonus to AC, and a plus two bonus on perception checks against flying creatures. This replaces defensive training, hatred, and stone cutting. Next is Stone Singer. Dwarves with this racial trait are treated as one level higher when casting spells with the Earth Descriptor, are using granted powers of the Earth Domain, the bloodline powers of the Deep Earth Bloodline, or Earth Elemental Bloodline, and the revelations of the Oracle Stone Mystery. This replaces Stone Cunning. So if you want to be a caster with that charisma-based casting, this will help you out with that. Next is Stubborn. Dwarves with this racial trait receive a plus two bonus to unwill saves to resist spells and spell-like abilities of the enchantment, charm, and enchantment compulsion schools. In addition, if they fail such a save, they receive another save one round later to prematurely end the effect, assuming it has duration greater than one round. This second save is made at the same DC as the first. If the dwarf has a similar ability from another source, such as like a rogue slippery mind, he can use only one of these abilities per round, and he can try the other in the second round if the first reroll ability fails. This replaces... Hardy. Listen, guys, I have to tell you, premature effect ending is a problem that one in five males has, <laughs> and I mean, take this take this trait to help you get over it. Yeah, consider, you're getting rid of Hardy, though. It's Hardy. Take this trait and call me in the morning. <laughs> I could see you building some sort of thing where I constantly get resaves, and this would be one of the things you'd want to pick for that. Or you just know you're going to be going up against, like, I don't know, a bunch of succubi or something. Right. Some demon-based campaign. But even then, eh, I don't know. Next is Surface Survivalist. The dwarves' adaptation to extreme environments allows them to treat wind conditions and either hot or cold climates as one less step severe. This replaces dark vision. I've never used the heavy wind rules in my life. <laughs> and I don't think I ever will. Um... Note here, you don't get to pick... You don't get the benefit of both cold and hot by picking this. You have to pick one or the other. Oh, right. So right. you're either in, a, either in a really hot underground environment or a really cold underground right. environment. Right, and then it's that forever. You never get to switch it. There's Worm Scourged, where you get a plus one bonus on attack rolls and a plus two dodge bonus to AC on saving throws against the exceptional, supernatural, and spell-like abilities of dragons. Thank, thanks, Paizo, for throwing that in there. It wasn't just against the spell like of dragons. He had a, the supernatural, the spectacular, the amazing! <laughs> <laughs> you also gain a plus two racial bonus on knowledge, arcana checks to identify dragons, and you can make those checks untrained. And this racial trait replaces defensive training, hatred, and stone cunning. I guess if you're doing a lot of dragon slaying, it might be worth it, but you are replacing a lot of stuff. Right. You know what I noticed? A lot of the stuff that's replacing a lot is replacing a lot of the kind of role-playing, you know, non-combat ones with something combat. Last, we have Xenophobic. Uh, A dwarf with this racial trait only speaks dwarven and does not gain any bonus languages for possessing a high intelligence score. In addition, you only learn one language per two ranks of linguistics instead of one language per rank. However, their untrusting nature gives them a plus one bonus against mind-affecting effects except for fear effects. 
This replaces your languages, your normal languages. I don't know if I've ever seen a trait before that didn't replace one of the standard racial traits that replaced, like, the language trait. That's interesting. Yeah. I think this is one of the only ones, I think, for it. The dwar- the Durgar probably have something similar, which are just the dark dwarves. So those are all the alternate racial traits for customizing your dwarf character. And a few races have what I'm about to talk about. Not all of them. I think they kind of stopped doing this pretty quickly. But you can kind of pick a couple of them. um, And they give you all of them in a category to kind of help you, I guess, almost create kind of a a role-play perspective. So if you want the Deep Delver tells you, then you should do the Mind Sight and the Deep Warrior racial traits. And exchange Stone Cunning for the Stone Singer trait. These are things you can do anyway. But they do this in combination. You can do deep dwelver, deep delver, an elder dwarf does one, an exile dwarf, and mountain dwarf. I mean, it doesn't really add anything, but it just kind of helps you if you want to pick a bunch of ones to kind of really get a good storyline. Hi, I'm Caleb, and I'm Dom, and I'm David, and we're a part of the Trailblazers podcast. What is Trailblazers? You're asking yourself right now. Well, our podcast is difficult to describe. Yeah, it's kind of like a Senate meeting, except with less filibusters and more rolling for initiative. It's like going to the movies, except instead of watching professional actors create compelling storylines, you're listening to a bunch of guys just pretending to be professional actors. It's sort of like going skiing with your friends. If your friends are able to cast spells, wield swords, and there was no skiing involved. It's like going to court, but with less arguing and... Wait, no. There's probably about the same amount of arguing. It's like going to the bank, but instead of tellers behind the windows, it's just three guys role-playing. So if any of that sounds good to you, then you'll love our actual play podcast where we get together and play the Pathfinder role-playing game. We'd love to have you guys join us every Tuesday right here on the Trailblazer Network. Hope to see you there. So wait, it's just a couple of guys playing Dungeons & Dragons? No, 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 are you crazy? It's called Pathfinder. What, are you trying to get us sued? The last thing we're going to talk about when we come to dwarves is the racial feats they have. Racial feats are always something I think is really, really interesting. And you can make some really interesting and cool and unique builds with racial feats. So let's let's take a look at them. The first one is actually one I really like and I've used before. It's called Breath of Experience. This can only be picked on a dwarf, an elf, or a gnome, and you have to be over 100 years old. You get a plus two bonus on all knowledge and profession skill checks. You can make all those checks untrained. Wow. That's like you're taking like a similar thing that a bard has. I know the bard gets a plus 20, but essentially that's really powerful. Yeah. There's Brewmaster, which prerequisites are you have to have a rank and craft alchemy and a profession brewer, and you obviously have to be a dwarf. You gain plus two bonus on craft, alchemy, and profession brewer checks, and you have plus one to the DC of any ingested poison you create. Ich, ich. Very specific. If you wanted to be a like a barkeep who made poisons on the side, <laughs> I guess that would work. The next one is cleave through, and this is an attempt to make cleave good, but, you know, spoiler alert, it's not, because <laughs> you need all these feats to make it good. So once you have cleave, and you have 11 base attack bonus, and you're a dwarf, you, get the, you can take this feat. When using cleave or great cleave, if your initial attack hits, you may take a single five-foot step as a free action before making your additional attacks. If I was doing and, a cleave chain already, I'd pick it. Eh, I just wish cleave was better. <laughs> like, you're already dumping so much into it's it. True. Hard-headed. You get a plus one bonus on attack rolls and combat maneuver checks. Made using a helmet, you receive plus two bonus on saves against spells and special abilities that cause you to become staggered or stunned. There's going to be a lot of headbutting that's going to happen with this guy. 
there's an interesting feat chain that I'd like to see someone try um, using a helmet to attack people. The next feat in this chain is Dented Helm. You need to have Hard-Headed and you need to have plus 6 BAB to take this feat, so level 6 at best. When you're wearing a helmet, add plus 1 to your AC against critical hit confirmation rolls. When a critical hit is confirmed against you, as an immediate action, you can apply half of the damage from the attack to your helmet rather than yourself, applying hardness as normal. If the damage destroys your helmet, any leftover damage is applied to you. After using this feat, you are staggered until the end of your next turn. You may not use this feat if your helmet has the broken condition or the attack ignores armor bonuses to AC. You gotta have a lot of HP in it. You better make that helmet out of, like, mithril or living steel or something. Yeah, and like you said, it's kind of weird because the helmet typically doesn't have stats. The The suit of armor right. has stats. I'd, I'd have to see stats for a helmet for this to work. Cloven Helm. Your helm turns aside lethal blows. Prerequisites, dented helm, hard-headed, base attack, plus 11. When wearing a helmet, you add plus 1 to your AC against critical hit confirmation rolls. This stacks with dented helm. When you use dented helm to deflect a critical hit, you may apply all damage from the critical hit to your helmet before applying any damage to yourself. If you take no damage, any additional effects such as critical feats or poisoned are negated. Interesting for a game that really doesn't have helmet as an armor piece. (laughs) (laughs) You just say you're wearing a helmet. Next is another chain of feats, and these are style feats. So these are feats if you're a monk, you can kind of go into a stance, use a style. It's called the Earth Child Style, and you need to be either a dwarf or a gnome to pick it. You need to have three ranks in acrobatics, and you need to have at least 13 wisdom. Your martial training makes you a dangerous and elusive target for giants. When using the style, your defensive training dodge bonus to AC increases to plus 6. Further, against creatures of the giant subtype, you can add your wisdom bonus on your unarmed strike damage rolls. Good if you have a high wisdom and if you really want some more AC. Yeah, that's actually insanely good if you're a monk and you're in, like, that giant slaying campaign that Paizo released. This would absolutely destroy that campaign. The next one on this chain is Earth Child Topple. You can trip, uh, you need Wisdom 13, defensive training, of course, Earth Child style, improved trip, improved unarmed strike, and six ranks in acrobatics. You can trip a creature of the giant subtype of up to huge size. When using Earth Child style, you add your wisdom bonus on combat maneuver checks made to trip a creature of the giant subtype, as well as on attack rolls to confirm a critical hit against such a creature. Mm, I feel like reading that one, I'd just stop at Earth Child style. Well, why don't you see what the next one is? Maybe it's worth it to get to the third one. Earth Child Binder has all the same requirements as the other ones, except you need nine ranks in acrobatics. Now, this is and where I need... put my um, my syllabus, my homework, my tests. Yeah, mm-hmm. from my... all about, you know, dwarves and giants. Right, right. It's a good class. It's a fun class. <laughs> you can trip a creature of the giant subtype no matter its size. While you are using Earth Child style, when a prone creature of the giant subtype stands up and provokes an attack of opportunity from you, if you make an arm strike, you can declare you are making a stunning fist attempt after the attack hits. You gain a plus four bonus to the DC of any stunning fist effect you deliver in this way. Normally, you can only trip opponents who are one size category larger than you at most. I like that you can do any, no matter the size, but the rest of the stuff is uninteresting to me. Yeah, like, the first one's so ubiquitous. Like, you have more AC against giants, and you have more damage against giants. But then the other ones are like, 
under these specific circumstances, right, you right. can now trip them, and then when they stand up, like, okay, just give me the damage. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, leave uh, now. I need to use these feats for something else. <laughs> Fight on. You need a constitution of 13. Once per day, you can gain a number of temporary hit points equal to your con modifier. You can activate this feat as an immediate action when reduced to zero or fewer hit points. You can use this feat to prevent yourself from dying. These temporary hit points last for one minute. If you drop below zero due to the loss of these temporary hit points, you fall unconscious and are dying as normal. If you have the ferocity racial trait, which is a thing for the orcs, you can use that once you have lost the temporary hit points from this feat. Constitution modifier, so best case scenario, three to five hit points. Yeah. I'd rather just take the toughness feat. Yeah, I agree. Goblin cleaver. You need cleave and you need power attack. Uh, to take this, you need to be a dwarf. When using cleave or great cleave, if your initial attack hits, you may make your additional attack against any creature smaller than you that you threaten. Your targets need not to be adjacent to one another. I feel like that's how cleave should normally work. <laughs> additional attacks you make against humanoids, goblinoid, gain a plus two circumstance bonus on attack rolls. This again, oh, go ahead. I, I, like this is just something I would. If someone was using cleave, I'd be like, yeah, you can just hit people. Anyone around you, not just people who are specifically only adjacent to each other, because that literally never happens. This is definitely something that really makes sense if you're fighting a lot of smaller creatures, because generally smaller creatures, like goblins and such, fight you in groups, so they're going to be surrounding you. So this actually would be really useful, rules as written. Orc Hewer, Strength 13, Cleave, Goblin Cleaver, Power Attack, and you. it's like Goblin Cleaver, except now you can do against creatures your size, or smaller, and, and if anything's a humanoid orc, you get a plus two on the attack roll. There's another terrible feat in this terrible chain <laughs> called Giant Killer. You have to wait until you have 11 BAB and take all these previous feats to get it. And it is plus, literally the plus power attack strike back. It is literally the exact same as all the other ones, except they can be the creatures can be bigger than you, and you get a plus two bonus on giant against giants on your attack rolls. So let me get this right. If I follow this chain, I can, with my cleave, hit everything that is at least threatened with me. They don't have to be next to each other. But I could just make a full attack against all those things instead, right? Yep. Okay. You know, you can, you can you know, benefit from your haste and your multiple attacks and your flurry, whatever you may have. Or you can make one single attack against all of them and put yourself in the middle of a bunch of giants, apparently, because that's something that normally happens. I'd never like the cleave combat chains. Improve stone cutting. You need wisdom 13 and the stone cutting racial trait. You get a plus four bonus on perception checks to notice unusual stonework. This replaces the stone cutting's abilities normal bonus on perception checks. This is terrible. Uh, <laughs> it, it gives you a plus two to perception checks against unusual stonework. Okay, why don't I just take skill focus perception and get a plus three bonus on all perception checks? That goes up to a plus six at level 10. Because Christian... It's a racial bonus, so it will stack differently. Next is Iron Guts. <laughs> uh, this is available to orcs and dwarves. You need 13 con. And you get a plus two racial bonus on saving throws against anything causing the nauseated or sickened conditions, as well as against all ingested poisons. In addition, you receive a plus two bonus on survival checks to find food for yourself, and only yourself. <laughs> Dude, can you share some of that deer? No, I found it with my 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 iron guts feet. But you could just pass it over here. I can't. I physically can't do it. And I imagine it's like you find something real nasty, like a half rotting right, right, right deer carcass. And like, are you gonna eat that? It's like, oh yeah. Are you? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> iron hide con thirteen. You get a plus one natural armor bonus due to your unusually tough hide. 
Netflix Dang. is cool. Yeah, I like it. I think I'd rather just pay the money to get the Talisman of National Armor, whatever it's called, but okay. Next is Ledgewalker. I need to take the, like, mountain-themed alternate racial traits to take this and have 13 dexterity. <laughs> the flavor text being, you negotiate tiny ledges like a mountain goat. <laughs> the fearsome mountain goat. My spear animal. If I'm a shaman, I'm picking this one. I'd be a druid and actually transform into a mountain goat. <laughs> you can move at full speed while using acrobatics to balance on narrow surfaces. And you gain a plus four bonus on climb checks to catch yourself or another creature while falling. You also gain a plus four bonus on saving throws against effects that will cause you to fall prone, such as earthquakes. This bonus does not apply to your CMD against bull rush or trip attacks. Okay, uh, good for the natural disaster yeah, campaign. It's, it's okay. <laughs> when the uh, the city gets hit by an earthquake, you have to navigate narrow ledges all day. Shatter spell. You need disruptive spell breaker, and you need to be a tenth level fighter. As usually, it's funny. Usually, they tell you like you need to have a BAB of ten, but they're like, no, it needs to be ten levels of fighter. As a standard action, you can attempt to sunder an ongoing spell effect as if you had the spell sunder rage power. You may use this feat once per day, plus one additional time per day for every five points by which your base attack bonus exceeds a plus ten. We uh, weird. Weird. This is actually a really good feat because it actually gives fighters the ability to interact with magic as well as barbarians. You basically make a sunder a uh, you make a sunder attempt against a spell. And you if your sunder a attempt beats the spells like dc or something you dispel it but i need spellbreaker and disruptive i'll just i'll just go ahead and be a a 10th level barbarian if i really want to do this <laughs> next is steel soul you do not replace the hardy racial trait in order to take this and be a dwarf and your normal plus two bonus on saving throws against spells spells like abilities goes up to plus four you said this was great the so this must be fantastic uh, yeah um plus four bonus on all Saving throws against all spells and all spell-like abilities. That is insane. Note that this doesn't increase the poison. You still only get a plus two against poison That's a good saves. good point. Stone Singer. You need to have Bardic Performance and a Charisma of 13. When you use Bardic Performance with audible components underground, the range or area of your chosen performance is doubled, and you can affect deaf creatures if they possess Tremor Sense or in your new range. In addition, the DC for saving throws against your Bardic Performance is increased by plus two for creatures of the Earth subtype, regardless of where the performance occurs very niche if you're doing an underground thing with lots of blind people with tremor sense. I guess if you have a lot of elementals you're trying to encourage. I've never been a fan of the bard's like offensive uses of bard performance just because the DC tends to be low. Even when you have good charisma, dwarves don't have good charisma, so this would be super niche for me. Mm -hmm. Stone-faced. You just need to be a dwarf. Uh, flavor text being... Rocks show more expression than you. <laughs> you receive a plus four bonus on bluff checks to lie or conceal your feelings or true motives, but not to faint in combat or deliver secret messages. In addition, the DC for sense motive checks to get a hunch about you is 25 rather than 20. Interesting. Uh, I like the, uh, the flavor of it. It overcomes your natural um, weakness in uh, your charisma. So if you want to be like a party face or like a lie roguey type dwarf, that would definitely help. Toxic recovery, you need to have hardy, racial trait. Whenever you succeed at saving throw against poison, you heal one point of ability damage of the type dealt by the poison. That's interesting. Whenever you heal ability damage naturally or magically, you heal one additional point of ability damage. This feat has no effect on penalties to ability scores or to ability drain. This is interesting. The The meat here is the healing at, a, at double the rate instead of at one. Definitely, yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say... 
double the rate, just that additional one. So if you get healed for four, now it's at five. Um, that's interesting. I like the flavor of the poison, but don't think... I mean, you really... Some things have to align. You have to have strength ability damage and then get hit by poison that saps strength. I guess that makes sense if you get hit by the poison once and then you get hit by the second time and you save it the second time. Then it heals it. Yeah, once... Once you fail a saving throw against poison, it's going to hit you for a few rounds. So say the poison does, like, con damage. You fail your first save, you make your second one, and then you heal the damage you took from the first. Gotcha. Oh, so uh, this is actually pretty intense. I kind of like it. Yeah, this is definitely a late-game feat because uh, late-game ability damage tends to be a problem and can definitely wreck you. This would help a lot with that. Uh, The next is another feat chain. This one is about... uh, this is kind of like a two-weapon fighting kind of feat chain. It's called Twin Thunders, and you have to be a dwarf or a gnome to take it. You also need two-weapon fighting or a flurry of blows. A, the flavor text is, when you fight giants, your powerful blows combined with skills learned from generations of your people quickly even the odds. Once per round, when wielding a bludgeoning weapon in each hand against a giant, if you hit the creature with your offhand weapon after you hit it with your primary weapon, roll the damage dice for your offhand weapon twice and add the results together before adding any bonuses. Such extra weapon damage dice are not multiplied on a critical hit. Wow, that is so very specific. Well, it pretty much says that it's like you get a critical hit, essentially, with your your offhand. You get a vital strike with your offhand, but only if you hit with your primary first. I mean, that's like you want to hit with your primary first. I mean, if you're two-weapon fighting... Especially if you're doing I, Fury of Blows. It, it's going to be like 1d6 damage, which isn't bad, but it's not like a consistent 1d6 damage or 1d8 damage. How does this work with Fury of Blows? Does each attack after the first get the double? That's a good question, especially because they changed the way Flurry of Blows works in um, Unchained Monk. Ask your GM. Yeah. Twin Thunder. Don't ask us. Flurry. This is the same stuff, except now you need... A BAB of 6. And improved weapon fighting, which requires a BAB of 6. So unless you're a fighter, you probably won't be getting this immediately at level 6. And, of course, Twin Thunders. You can trip a creature with the giant subtype of up to huge size, and you gain plus 2 bonus on damage rolls against creatures of the giant subtype. Further, each time you hit a creature of the giant subtype with your offhand weapon, after you hit the creature with your primary weapon, you can deal the extra offhand weapon damage Twin Thunders grants you. A lot of stuff here about hitting bigger guys, keeping with that dwarf theme. With that second one, the plus two da- you always get the plus two da- bonus on damage rolls, which is really good, and that just extends it so that every time you hit with the offhand weapon, it counts. All right, finish us up with what's the the best the third part of this feat chain. The Twin Thunders Master requires a BAB of plus nine, and that's actually the only additional thing. You don't need greater two weapon fighting or anything. Whenever you deal an opponent extra damage with a Twin Thunders feat, that opponent is shaken for one round. No save. You also force that opponent to succeed at a Fortitude saving throw, DC 10 plus half your level plus your strength modifier, or become staggered for one round. If you use this feat to render staggered an opponent that is already staggered, you daze that opponent instead. In a similar way, you can stun an opponent that is already dazed. Not too bad. I mean, you're paying a lot for it, but... To be able to just stun in days left and right just for hitting, getting your second and third attack, and sounds interesting. So this only this still only works against giants specifically. Um, the main problem I have with this is that two weapon fighting is already the most feat intensive build possible, true. and this is adding an additional three feats to the chain. I don't even know if this is like possible to get realistically. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I can see definitely by the end here, if you're fighting giants again, if you're in the Giant Slayer campaign, this would probably be really good. I would love to see it like portrayed and how it's described as a, a, a small in stature dwarf punching a giant so hard that it's staggered and stunned and dazed. <laughs> Especially when you're hitting him in the kneecaps. He's climbing up and punching him the whole way up. <laughs> Now, with each race, or with many of the races, and especially the core races, there are some archetypes that only that race can pick. We're going to go over the specifics of these archetypes when we talk about that class in the future, but just so you know what they are, it's the Exarch, which is an Inquisitor class, uh, an Inquisitor archetype, Fohammer, which is a fighter archetype, Forgemaster, which is a cleric archetype, and Stone Lord, which is a paladin archetype. He's high all the time, 420 blazes. <laughs> Vape Nash. <laughs> that concludes our episode on the dwarf. A little bit longer than most episodes will be because the five common core races have some more racial traits and more feats than maybe some other ones. So you can expect that the episodes will be shorter once we get past the core races, and even ones like humans have less traits and things than uh, than dwarves do. So, just a little bit longer than you can expect other episodes to be. We'll be doing an extra credit covering all the favorite class options. Favorite class options are the thing you remember that every time you pick, you level up, you and you pick a class, you can either pick an extra skill point, an extra hit point, or some favorite class option depending on your race. So we'll cover everything that Dwarf can contribute to different classes in our extra credit. And that's it for Dwarfs. You now have everything you need to make your perfect vision of a Dwarf anything. Final thoughts on the dwarf? I really like the dwarf. It has a lot of options, and even though they're kind of stuck in their flavor, like they're always kind of presented as these stoic people, there's so much there to work with that you can kind of break free of that, or at least flush it out completely. After going through it in depth like we just did, I wouldn't mind rolling a dwarf now. Literally something I would never have said ever pre this moment right now. Uh, there is a lot of interesting things here and very flavorful, keeping with the theme of we don't like guys that are smaller than us, we don't like guys that are larger than us, and giants and goblins. So I, I, I like that. Some of the feats are a little weird, but it's all definitely fitting in with the theme. The only issue I take with them is that like they're mechanically powerful, which isn't a problem, but like I find myself whenever I make a dwarf, I'm like, oh, well, I better take that feat that increases hardy to a plus four because I want to make all my saving throws forever. Right. <laughs> Next will be the elf, and we'll see what kind of fantastic things they have, and we'll see if it's anything like J.R.R. Tolkien's inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Do the dwarves hate the elves? I don't. I don't know if it's in here in Pathfinder. There was the alternate racial trait for it. There was. You're right, but it's not in their lore. I'm, re I'm reading it here. They just don't like goblins and giants. Gosh darn goblins and giants! Am I right? And orcs. Psh, get out of here, orcs. Nobody likes you, orcs. You're green, <laughs> just like the goblins. I'm going to profile you. All right. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Hey, Brian, you want to play role-playing games tonight? I can't. My body's trapped in this strange membrane. Wow. Should I 
Take you to a doctor? Nah, it feels really good. Just put my earbuds in. No, that's just wrong. But here at Tales from the Lich, we're all right. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com <sighs> That's just wrong. <laughs>